0: Welcome to another episode of Corporate CPR, where we breathe life back into your organization, projects, and processes, giving you insights to recovery and avoiding corporate mortality events. Joining us today is Dr. Eric Daimler. uh, Daimler is an authority uh, in artificial intelligence and robotics with over 20 years of experience in the field. He has co-founded six technology companies and is currently founder and CEO of Connexus AI, a company spun out of MIT that addresses the largest unsolved problem in computer science. A frequent speaker, lecturer, and commentator, he works to empower communities and citizens to leverage AI and robotics for a more sustainable, secure, and prosperous future. Having experienced AI in the widest possible perspective from academia to business and policy, Daimler has a unique outlook from which to consider the potential problems concerning the future of AI, as well as help frame the debate about possible solutions. Welcome Dr. Daimler, so glad to have you. Thank you,
1: thank you, that was a kind kind introduction. (laughs)
0: I I before we really get started I have to know what is the largest unsolved problem in commute, computer science Yeah
1: that's a great way to start It's <laughs> It's a problem that I have to say I didn't even know existed even though I have spent 20 plus years in and around artificial intelligence in various capacities So the largest unsolved problem in corporate IT specifically mm-hmm. uh, that's that's where that's the largest unsolved problem is in this The domain of computer science and corporate infrastructure software infrastructure is data interoperability that's the last domain you talk to the 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 chief information officers of fortune 1000 companies and they will tell you data interoperability is what is a is a big uh danger for them in becoming calcified in in and uh in, in their inability uh, to respond to, to whatever events come their way.
0: So, can you define that? Because not everybody may have, have heard that um, that term before. So, can you yeah. Sort of define?
1: Yeah, you know the way uh, that we often will experience it, uh, it could be as mundane as when we call a credit card company, but really, but any any of the uh, companies with whom we interact, we enter the credit card number on the phone, and then and then we're transferred to somebody, and then that person says hey, uh, just for security, can you enter your account number for me? Uh, and, you know, they're they always, you know, well-meaning, they're doing their job, but they, they don't know that they're not telling the truth by saying it's for security. It's not because of security. It's because their systems don't talk to each other. Okay. You know, there's some sliver of, of profiles that where that entry into the phone connects to some backend and it'll be automated or or somehow feed information to the agent. But, That is such a fragile system right now that the person has to say, hey, for security, because I don't know who you're talking to, and I don't know what just came through the the phone line. That's a type of data interoperability. It's because there's databases everywhere. Like everything runs on a database. Everything is connected to a database. And those databases don't like to talk to each other. (laughs) They're just different. a, A technical term would be mismatched data. They, yes, that, that's what we mean. And so those need to interoperate.
0: And so, I know a lot of companies go, "Oh, well, we have all these databases, so we're going to go have a, a big um, uh, a, a big data project where they go and they build a data warehouse and they they normalize all that data to bring it together. Yeah. And then, and then, well, oftentimes they don't get the project done because it's a it's a complicated project or if they do get it done, then it's like, now what? So what, what should companies be doing with all these disparate databases?
1: Yeah, this happens all the time. At a small scale, it works just fine. So I've worked as an AI researcher and, and did my own uh done my own share of data science where I would bring data from very, very large data sets in different ways and clean it and bring it into a, uh, a, a model that I'm going to begin designing. But the problem is scale. So uh, we we mentioned this with this word big data, where the uh, the number of connections, the next number of entries might be in the millions, and then soon it got into the billions. But there's really a phase change, like from from uh, uh, solid to water to water to gas. When you're talking trillions, mm-hmm. you just you have to you have to abstract what you're talking about when you're talking trillions. It's just fundamentally different, and the way data lakes data warehouses, data lake houses, all these marketing terms. <laughs> those are constructed is, uh, is, is, it can be fine at, at smaller scales. Uh, but when people think that they're doing something, it's a little bit like uh, taking uh, uh, your collection of books and throwing it in a room and saying, they're integrated now like, well, they're not, you know, not really integrated until you try to retrieve that data, to retrieve that information. And then the, you'll have to do these clumsy uh, uh, exercises called, well, why don't we sort the books by color or by height? You know, it's like just doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's how data integration takes place today. So you'll have little more intelligent ways of, of organizing that data. Doing decimal system was the way that many people grew up with, there's now there's more modern ways of organizing it, but you can't throw all the books in the library. And, oh, actually, I can go even further on the library example. The way it's actually organized, quite, not quite literally, but this is a bit more to the point, is you throw it in the library, and then people will look for the different size rooms in the library, they'll look for the shelves that it accommodates, different heights of books. That's how the data then begins to be organized. It's mm-hmm. just a mess. So, you don't really solve the problem. And then the companies will spend millions of dollars. They'll go to the board and ask for millions of dollars to then integrate the data. And that'll happen on a small scale. And then they'll go back to the board uh, 10 years later, uh, two, two, two years later, excuse me, two years later, and they'll say, hey, can I have another 10, 10 or 20 million dollars? You know, we're just about done. And then they will go back another two, two years later and they'll say, yeah, I know I'm going to get fired now, right? Uh, I mean, and that's what what happened. Mm -hmm. Citibank wrote up $100 million and had to do another $100 million. But Bank Mizuho, Mm -hmm. imagine this story. This Bank Mizuho, this is a true story. So Bank Mizuho, they are trying to do, uh, Mizuho Bank in in Japan, they had to uh, do this sort of data integration work across many, many different databases. They're in the final phase uh, of this database integration. It's stuff you and I wouldn't care about, except we get this little email that we get all the time. Hey, our systems are going to be down Saturday night. For two hours, two hours, you won't have access to your bank account. Don't freak out. Except in <laughs> the Zuho Bank uh, case, it didn't come back up at 2 a.m. on Sunday, or at 7 a.m. on Monday, or a uh, Sunday, or at 9 a.m. on Sunday. It didn't come back in, in, through Monday, through Monday wow. the day. So imagine the is waking up on on Monday, and they don't have access to their bank account online. They can't send or receive any wires. And they didn't know it would be coming up at the end of the day. Just imagine how freaked out you are. That's a big customer. It's a big bank. That's that's the expression uh, of data integration. You can imagine the pain and anxiety. That's really annoying all the time uh, uh, by big firms. It may not be as catastrophic as Citibank or Banco Italia or Mizuho Bank, but it really happens all the time.
0: So so, you know, let's let's talk about the people who are like the COO or the CFO, the people who who need the data, but they're not, um, you know, responsible over the technology. What kind of like what questions should they be asking or, or you know, how do they make sure that the, the CTO or CIO is coming up with the right solution um, for their business problem?
1: Yeah, you, you, you have to ask around how many. Databases, uh, is this going to scale? Before we have to take a different approach. You know, there's a lot of great tools uh, from a generation past, Informatica, Abinitio. More, more recently, companies like MuleSoft. Those are great at connecting one database or another database. But the 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 whole the, the whole uh, uh, boy, the weakness is revealed, politely said. Uh, when you when you look, look at MuleSoft. Uh, marketing, and they'll say, "Hey, we do a, a, a good job connecting one or one database to another database," and that's true. Uh, but then they'll say, "Hey, if you really push our technology, we can integrate three databases." <laughs> and that's, just, that's just unhelpful when you have 150, or in the case of one of our clients, 300,000. It's just unhelpful. The, you know, one one of our clients, uh, you know, they had they they said, "Look, if we actually wanted to." Uh, do the traditional method apply to our business vision of having all these d- databases talk to each other in a way that gives us uh, the ability to make quicker and better business decisions. The infeasible but true budget would be $2 trillion. <laughs> just so, so the, they just don't do it. So the companies do one of three things. You know, one is they will uh, uh, scale down. That's what Citibank had to do on their second $100 million uh, investment. You know, the second is they will pretend something different is going to happen. That's what most companies do. They'll say, oh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll spend $20 million now, $20 million later. Or the third is they just don't do it. Nah, that's actually the most frequent uh, uh, way, to, way to address this. They'll just kick the can down the road. They'll just hope that something else uh, uh, will, will come along or, or some other breakthrough technology to solve the problem. That hasn't happened in the last 30 years. I can tell you what, it does happen, but uh, that has not happened. Uh, for any of these companies, so we, we we run into these large companies all the time that say, "Look, our IT infrastructure is not keeping up, can't keep up with our business vision." That's actually what is impairing uh, our uh, financial objectives. Our, we can sell the product, we can deliver to the customer uh, uh, in some sense, but the, the 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 software architecture, the software infrastructure, some very boring uh, sounding plumbing, you know, not not sexy like somebody's new phone. Uh, uh is impairing our ability to deliver uh, uh, to the customer that's that's what's happening right now.
0: And so what kind of um, like so what are the symptoms of that? So what it, what it, what t- like are the tangible things that then these these companies aren't able to achieve because they're facing these problems?
1: Yeah, it's it, the, the systems can't talk. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know in, in the public um, domain, besides the credit card one, uh, the, the, uh, besides the bank fa- uh, uh, having problems, besides our, us calling customer service, another one that came up recently was during COVID, where we had a logistics company. And I, I didn't realize how big some of these logistics companies could be, but uh, they, we, had a, we had one client that had hundreds of thousands of employees. Uh, I really, more to the point, they had a client that had hundreds of thousands of employees, also a logistics mm-hmm. company. And they mm-hmm. had thousands of ships around the world, container ships. Each one of those has tens of thousands of shipping containers. Somewhere in there is the personal protective equipment. Right. Where is it? And you think, well, this is, that's pretty easy question, right, this seems pretty straightforward. Um, It's not, it takes about (laughs) four days to be able to answer that question. The company needs to say, dude, this is actually literally life-saving. Do I need to know where it is in the world? Uh, you know, and do I send it to Atlanta? Do I send it to Athens? You know, where, where do I send it? That's so, a real business problem, and it doesn't work. Doesn't work because of data interoperability.
0: So that's interesting, because in my head I'd be like, oh well, everything should have an RFID, <clears throat> so the item number attaches to the container number, that can ta- attaches to the you know <clears throat> shipping manifest, which should all be in my system, so that I could. Uh, you know, instantly understand where it is, especially me as a consumer when I see, like, where's my UPS package and it can tell me. So tell me tell me why, um, what was happening that makes it not that
1: simple. So all of these databases have their different representations. Mm. That's it. So it may sound really mundane when you and I are talking about onesie-twosies, but again, when you're talking about billions or trillions, it's an, it becomes the problem becomes of a different nature. Okay. So the, how this expresses itself is we we're working with a a large hospital chain in New York. Hmm. Uh, they wanted to be doing COVID research. They were looking to, and this one system, one system. This isn't even between different hospital systems. This is one hospital system. Their data relationships, and I guess this is the point, so big data is somewhat an old term. Yeah. The new way to think about this domain is in data relationships. That actually yeah. is more important than the data. The data about you know, what, what our eye, your, your eye color is or my eye color is doesn't really matter. The relationships, but the relationship that our eye color might have to the degree to which a bank grants us credit, that, that, <laughs> that matters. I want to know if somehow my height is related to the degree I am susceptible to COVID. You know, that's a data relationship. Right. My data on my height, like who cares? But that, that relationship, that's gold. That, and that's what needs to be protected. And the meaning of that data is where the whole world rests. So this, in this hospital example, one part of the group represented diabetes as yes, no, diabetes, yes, no, diabetes, yes, no, diabetes, yes, no, on the rows. Another part of the hospital group, Well, maybe they started a little later, maybe they were, for whatever motivation, they represented as diabetes. How long ago? Diabetes. How long ago? Mm. Another group, diabetes. How much? How bad? How is it being treated? And then you could have a third one where the people made for any number of motivations, but let's just say they were just well-meaning people, and they they were just filling in forms, <laughs> like, right. you know, case, <laughs> that other thing, and there's talk you know, that's all in the data. And yeah. so, like, this is one hospital group, and so in one way, this is diabetes being represented differently. So you're 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 right that all these databases have diabetes. And all these systems, in theory, in the outset, they should all talk to each other, but they don't. It, you know, We've experienced, I, I, I had the good fortune of serving under uh, President Obama uh, earlier in administration, famously healthcare.gov had a problem launching. The reason that had trouble launching was because databases don't like to talk to each other, like this. So at a small scale, when they tested on a couple thousands, is what they did, they tested on a couple thousand, like everything works fine. When you then hit it with tens of millions all of a sudden, then stuff started to break. Then the reason, that literally, how, how they experience breakage in this, in this point is you have exceptions. Oh, man, I didn't realize diabetes is represented differently in this little county in Georgia. Oh, man, in this hospital group within New York City, uh, diabetes is represented differently still. And they had to be correcting uh, this. That's how the scale breaks.
0: And so is, is, how, do they, how do they overcome that? Is it through standardization saying, we need all of you to represent your data the same way? Or or is there a way to translate how people were representing their data into a common format? So the, there's, a,
1: there's a couple of good, that's a very good question. Now, one way you can do it is standards. The problem with standards is stand, standards, if they're done top-down, rarely work the, the joke is hey there's 11 standards let's create the one that, is, that really captures them all now you have 12 standards you know it's just not, it just doesn't work because the people the people that had the diabetes uh how much they might have had very good reason to do that because maybe they were uh, more research focused where another group was more clinically focused so they they just have different maybe different needs so right you, you're going to impose a golden record we would we'll often it call it a golden record, top down. That's never applicable. Rarely applicable. You know, it works in equity trading, stock trading. It works in the bond market. Same, you know, same thing. Security. It works in airline uh, scheduling. Airlines by IATA are required to standardize airline schedules. So good for them. Uh, but in many, many, many other domains, it 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 uh, falls apart very quickly. So what what the innovation is? A, t- a point to the future. The point to the future is not in computer science. It's in math. The oh. next, the next generation is, is coming through math. That's that's the answer. So as much as I'd like to think it's in computer science, because that's where you know my education came. That's where I was a researcher. Uh, it there's a domain of math that's really more appropriate to the digital age, and it's a domain of math called category theory, or categorical math. Uh, the good hmm. thing is it's easier than calculus. But uh, you know, and it can be taught at a high school level. uh, But that's really the future. Uh, That that is uh, uh, really transformational. It's going to wipe the slate clean in information technology over the next 10 to 20 years. It'll come uh, uh, alongside quantum computing. So you really can't have quantum computing without category theory for reasons I can get into. Uh, uh, this is going to be. This is the quantum the quantum computing of software. The quantum computing hardware, of course. So this is the quantum computing of software, and that software is going to be expressed in category theory. That's how you do it. And what that enables? That enables a bottoms up model. So you can That's you can true. respect the interpretation of different research groups. One research group says diabetes, yes, no. Another research group says diabetes. How are you treating it? How long ago? I'm trying different things, whatever. Those can be respected bottoms up and then connected through the math in a way that scales to the size of the population. That's, that's how you do it.
0: How does... um you know, bad data, then factoring it is, does it become so scaled that then the bad data is statistically irrelevant? Or, I mean, you know, because we always hear that mantra, uh, bad, you know, junk in, junk out and stuff. So like, where does that play into this? And, and do, what do people need to, companies need to be doing with their, their bad data?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good question. You know, uh, so if there's, a, there's a few answers to that. The 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 thing is, inside the world of bad data or cleaning data, there, the whole universe <laughs> exists. So there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that can be meant inside of that. The, the one we're tackling right here in this conversation is we're saying <clears throat> there's different versions of, of the data, different interpretations. You can call that bad data, if you would like. Uh, uh, and one way of handling that is to normalize it. You crush the fidelity of it to just be yes, no. So you, you would assume that, for example, if diabetes, uh, how long ago? Well, that means diabetes, yes. Diabetes i yeah. treating it. That means diabetes, yes. You can crush all that together and just say diabetes, yes, no, if you'd like. That's a normalization. Um, mm-hmm. so you can do that, uh, but that gets rid of all this rich fidelity that often companies, organizations, governments spent a long time and, 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 and a lot of money collecting, and that's just lost. So that's one way of treating a sort of dirty, uh, dirty data. The, uh, the, 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 the cor- correcting of anomalies, uh, you know, there, there are software that can certainly do that. But the, the, the point I'm bringing up or the point that the category theory or these sort of formalizations of data relationships addresses is the point that once you have that clean data, and then you need to you specify it. Oh, this is diabetes, yes, no, this is diabetes, how much, this is diabetes, how long ago? And then you create that relationship. That's, that relationship or that meaning is established forever, regardless mm-hmm. of the underlying technical infrastructure. So right. it scales It scales no matter what. You want to have that meaning preserved. You want to have your model respected, your model, your view of the world you know, I'm, I'm head of a research group in diabetes at, uh, at a whatever hospital. I, I want to have that relationship uh, respected when I interact with the data around me. I don't want to have it imposed uh, from above. I have my own reasons.
0: It, well, yeah, it sounds more like it's more end user friendly then because then I still get to to interact with my data in the way that's meaningful to me. But then that can be scaled into a way that's meaningful to uh, decision-makers.
1: Yeah. And also, if you're talking about corporate mortality here, really mm-hmm. what happens it, as companies get older, and this is really how it, how it goes, you can talk about corporate culture, which my wife loves to talk about. You can talk about uh, other sort of uh, shenanigans by, by my managers, but the, the IT infrastructure being unable to cope with new realities is, is really fundamental. I'd say it's foundational that mm. uh, you, the company begins to calcify around just maintaining what they have because the, the There's a cruise ship company that we've all heard of. It's a very big company. They spent I don't know where this magic number hundred million dollars They spent also a hundred million dollars to integrate all of their existing data sources, and it works. They spent ten years hundred million dollars the problem for them is that as soon as they add another data source, mm-hmm. so they add maybe they add maybe they add a new excursion partner. maybe they add a new small ship uh, experience that, that or they want to integrate with their big ship experience. That's another data source that then has its own set of data relationships. You in, try integrating that. And, and it all starts falling apart, that's the problem. And then how you and I would experience it is we experience it when we go to check in uh, at, a, at the restaurant and the person says, so would you like uh, you know, dinner for dinner for four? And you're thinking, really? I have a reservation here for six. Like, I got my family, we're here six, why are you asking about four? You know, that's how that's, how that's experienced by a, by a customer.
0: So what does the cruise ship do then, the company, if they're in that situation? I mean, if it took a hundred million dollars to get there, what's it going to take to get to a to a state that's going to be
1: more flexible? Well, not the two trillion that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> two trillion. you know, if they take advantage of the software that's built upon this new discovery in math, uh, you know, we're, our company's one, but there, there are certainly others. Uh, then. They, they Then they can begin to formalize the relationships such that they can scale these meanings. Uh, they, can, they can say, oh, I'm going to firmly establish that uh, the way we're representing name uh, uh, in this new department is, is, is the same as we're representing name in this old department. Hmm.
0: And so I guess, you know, my perspective, I feel like like data is the future, right? Because it's the basis for for everything. I mean, as long as you got a product and as long as you, you know, you've got the necessary service, then and one of the big things is, is is data, because you have to be able to make decisions around your product or decisions around the markets or decisions, you know, or or, you know, it may be decisions, but it also may be like just in your example before being able to properly service, right? Like, so that the customer has a good experience and they aren't, you know, having to to repeat the name and all of that. When you're like, I just put all this into the phone. Why are you asking me that again? Um, So, you know, do you think data is like the foundation and is the future? And this is like something that, that companies, I mean, should be taking more seriously than maybe they
1: are. I, I would I would agree, and I, I, I offer to build on that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I recall with the Obama administration uh, being controversial by saying that every company is going to be an AI company. I think now somehow somebody wrote a book just, just on that little uh, sentence of mine. Uh, every company being an AI company doesn't mean that every company is going to build AI algorithms. It's that every company is... Collecting their own data, but this is the critical part. Every company is going to discover their own data relationships. I, I can't emphasize that enough. That is more important than the data, because know, mm-hmm. data itself is going to become more and more uh, public, more and more available, more and more free. And and data by itself, uh, data about my height or my hair my hair color or, or whatever that that isn't interesting. But if you if you observe as a company, if the, there's one company that observes my behavior that says, "Oh, the, the relationship between a time of day and, and Eric getting his coffee, that's gold. You know, we can we can do something with that." Or or the cruise line, the relationship between Eric and his family going on a uh, a, a, a Mexican themed. Uh, excursion, and then wanting the tequila tasting—you know—that's something we can do. Do something where you can work with. You know, that's a data relationship. It's not just the data. It's not just the facts. It's those yeah. relationships that are golden. And it's not sense that every company is an AI company. They are going to be competing on what they know, what they found out about rela- data relationships and about meanings, about and about. Go one step further about the patterns in those relationships?
0: Yeah. Um, um, one of the things that I thought was really, example that I saw was this um, uh, satellite imagery company. And they, you know, they're, they, they're mapping, you know, the world. And they were observing parking lots to talk about trends for Black Friday. And I never even... Uh, you know, thought about that, (laughs) like, that you could be like, oh, the parking lots are fuller on these days. And here are the trends that we're seeing for holiday shopping. Um, You know, it's really fascinating uh, around that. So, uh, you know, I can see why you would, those relationships are important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And how this expresses itself, how data interoperability expresses itself in those domains would, would be, uh, an example such as having different satellite vendors, uh, you know, vendors of those data uh, uh, brought together inside of one collection that then could be analyzed. That, that is an expression of data interoperability. That could be for commercial use or that could be for national security use. Australian satellites, US satellites, bring them together because they all re- they represent, an easy one, they represent the date differently. That's an easy right. type of data interoperability. That's a trivial one, uh, but that's an example of data interoperability. Again, fixing these things in the thousands or even the millions, not as hard. Fixing them things in the trillions, a different world.
0: So, you know, you, you mentioned um, the future, like there's going to be in the future more data available and, and you know, that's going to be able to help make those data decisions. And, and one of the areas that I, I've noticed that I feel is really lacking. Well, I'll start with who's not. So, you know, the credit cards came together so that you could have clearing, you know, you know, clearing houses to clear the, the transactions of when you spend money on your credit card, which is why it works so quickly. And, you know, every, every location can take whatever, you know, any credit card they want to take. I haven't seen that translate into um, healthcare and uh, claims So like, you know, it takes a long time for claim adjudication when you go to see your doctor and yeah, you might pay your copay or your whatever, but then it goes to the the insurance company and then they go adjudicate the claim and then they say whether or not you owe more money or not. Do you see a future where where there's more collaboration there and those things happen more instantaneous like your credit card or what do you see in the future, I guess, in that space?
1: Yeah, in life sciences, we we see. Uh, uh, a research domain, uh, we see a clinical domain, the way in which we deliver, uh, uh, deliver health healthcare, uh, and then we see uh, the operations. It's in the operations of healthcare that we think uh, uh, we will see the last um, uh, place for, uh, for the modernization, but really because of the regulations. You know, some of those regulations are very well-meaning and as, as patients we may want them, uh, but as they're currently constructed, they're very, very hard to, to work around, and it. it provides an enormous friction uh, for uh, for firms like ours to get involved. You know, smaller firms, and a lack of motivation for the the, the larger firms to innovate. They're they're mostly concerned with just not getting fined. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, so do you think that'll change then? Because one of the things that I I feel like I'm seeing as a trend is, you know, with with the Facebooks and the Instagrams and social media and all of that, um, uh, newer generations are more willing to give up their data um, for just for that ease of having a um, holistic view of their life, right? So they'll, the, you know, you talk to Gen X or or baby boomers, and they're just appalled at what millennials or Gen Zers will give up, like about themselves, to the interwebs. But is that going to facilitate a new world of, you know, um, data and and just ease of of
1: doing business? You know, I, I think what you're what you what we may all be sensing from the younger generation is their acknowledgement or their recognition that uh the uh, our, our privacy in some sense is gone get over it uh, uh that, you know the data is uh, uh is going to be going to be out there so uh, how might we control it is taking on a different frame uh the, the the individual data again whatever characteristics one could observe about me you know that that I think people are, are just less likely uh, to care about. That's what we're seeing in, in, uh, uh, in some, some digital natives. Uh, I, I think it's in the relationships between that data that uh, we should all really be uh, somewhat, um, so, that should have our attention. That's, that's really the part that, it, uh, you know, you can invent some, some linkages that would not be too fun To experience, and the the reason that sometimes they're they're not fun is because they're black boxes. So Mm -hmm. you you know, uh, it's one thing we all we all experience our uh, our credit score having an impact on us getting credit, but if that were to become a proxy for other parts of our life without us knowing, that'd be pretty scary.
0: Yeah, I was about to ask you that, you know, because you you have done some policy work, and so like. I guess the fear would be, how does then discrimination creep in because people now have these data, whether it's from an yeah. insurance company who says, now I know everything about your health, and so I'm not going to insure you, or, um, you know, you, isn't it China who's testing out the social score, so everything that, like, you do either bumps your score or brings you down, and that yeah. can determine whether or not people will do business with you? Yeah. So. Like, where do you think policy will go like how do we protect people because yeah they there it's great to have data and it's great to uh, facilitate commerce and make make our lives easier but we don't want our data to be used against us
1: yeah uh, you know the the stories about uh, the the over the, the overseeing of our the, the data for Chinese citizens is a is a scary one uh, and and provides a, a cautionary tale uh, uh, but I, I think we uh, uh, need to embrace the adoption of technology, not just be scared of it. So mm. it's really important to me that people uh, engage in the conversation about what they want and what they don't want. Uh, I, I wrote a paper, it only after my time in the White House, uh, that talks about uh, the, a, a multiple point, uh, you know, five, five or seven point, point plan, I forget, uh, uh, suggestions of technology policy. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty geeky and that's probably why I didn't get a big uh, uptake in readership, you know, but, but I have some suggestions, you know, two of them is, uh, uh, two of them I can outline are, uh, you know, one, uh, look at uh, have defining links in automation. So as, I, as we just were talking about, uh, it's one thing to have a credit score, it's entirely different to have credit score linked to whether or not just to throw out an example Um, uh, another one would be uh, uh, tell me exactly what you want to have happen out of this automation Uh, so a lot of times people want to automate things which is fine um, but we can uh, as a computer programmer we can automate a lot but maybe we just don't want to be automating some things especially if there's a chance of error you know you don't want to be it's fine if it's something says, you know, 95% accurate, but you don't want a car, for example, an automated car to be 95% accurate and stopping at a crosswalk. Right?
0: Right. So tell me
1: right. exactly what do you want to have happen? You know, do you want to have the car slow down? Do you want it to always stop? Do you want to stop and flash the lights? You know, you got to tell me exactly who's going to happen. You know, interesting one about the crosswalk is at some point, us as a society, we as a society, whatever, we're going to have to decide who's liable in those cases it could yep. be the car manufacturer if it's an automated it could be still the driver they have to still pay attention it could be the computer programmer they somehow made an error you know who is lying or, or maybe the pedestrian the pedestrian needs to always be watching out for automated cars you know you, you get we will as a society have to have that conversation so those are a couple of different ways to think about uh uh say the digitization of our world or the automation of our world but in any mm-hmm. case I, I just cannot say enough much i encourage people to get involved in these conversations because we our future as as a as a society will depend on the degree to which we can embrace uh the the appropriate application uh, of these digital life-saving technologies
0: yeah no i mean it is it's going to be a whole new world and it's moving there so so quickly um so, in in wrap up, what what would you say are the three things that companies need to do to invo- avoid a mortality event around like a da- you know cause of death data? Like, so what are what are those three
1: things that you would recommend organizations yeah. do? Yeah, I, I you know the, the first is uh, you there's an there's a thing called formal methods, which is kind of related mm-hmm. to category theory, which really defines. A, uh, a framework for specifying with increased precision exactly what you want your systems to do and how they relate to each other. That's really foundational. You can't work in just probabilities uh, as your scales increase. You know, The, the second is uh, in category theory, you really need to be starting to orient your systems towards categorical thinking, uh, towards core- categorical math, uh, you know, one might say the more math, the better. But if I had to choose, uh, I'd say uh, emphasize category theory and diminish uh, trigonometry, geometry, and of course calculus. They're they're the math of the 19th and 20th centuries. Sometimes applicable, much much less applicable to a digital age. Hmm. And then third, I, I I I really would ask that companies consider the, where they want to automate. And the linking of the auto, the linking of the automation, you know, that's for citizens, but that's also for companies. Uh, they can get in a lot of trouble uh, automating what they don't need to automate uh, before it's 100% ready, and that that prevents having some uh, catastrophic failure mode. So the so one is a formal method, the second is the category theory, and third is is, is stacking uh, automation carefully.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so if people wanted to find out um, more about, you know, what you do and, and, and your your um, uh, the information that you have out there, how do they how do they find you and, and
1: connexus AI? Uh, yeah, Connexus AI is at Conexus.com. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can certainly check it out, us, uh, check out our web page. Uh, there, there are more there are more uh, uh, YouTube videos and papers than than one can probably consume in a lifetime. Uh, uh available there because we were birthed out of MIT, so uh, there's a lot a lot of underlying intellectual work there. And then of course I'm, I'm available at uh, uh, big next to. All
0: right, well, thanks so much for your time, Eric, and to our um, audience out there. Until next time, keep your corporations healthy.